Grace, mercy, and peace to you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our sermon text is the text from John and the cleansing of the temple. By what authority do you do these things, or what sign will you give us? Authority, it is that thing that gives us the right to do what we do. I once had a neighbor who would simply go and work in other neighbors' yards. It might have been the case of a vacant property, and he would simply mow it so it was not unsightly. Or it might have been someone who actually could not do the work themselves, so he just took to it and told the old and possibly debilitated neighbor, don't worry about it. Then one day, he got some heat from a neighborhood association for mowing a vacant property. Well, what if someone gets hurt and you don't have the right insurance? You might damage something on the property. Who will pay? You need to have some sort of authorization from someone. He needed authority to do the work he was doing, the cleaning up. Hezekiah's cleansing of the temple in our Old Testament lesson is a case of using one's given authority. His authority was that of a reigning king of Judah that did what was right in the eyes of the Lord according to all that David had done. He restored the worship of the temple. He, he uh, destroyed the idols, the Asherah poles, and the high places that had been placed by his father, Ahaz. Ahaz, a fine sort of king of Judah. He sacrificed one of his sons to the idols. He had an altar built like one he saw in Damascus and had the altar of the temple removed and it replacing it. 2 Kings 16 records the fate of the original altar and how it was used for after he had removed it. It says, but the bronze altar shall be for me, that is Ahaz, to inquire by. He may have removed it and kept it nearby to inquire of the Lord, even as he worshipped other gods and idols, practicing a form of syncretism by seeking to worship other small g-gods and retaining some polluted form of worship to the one true God. First commandment error of the biggest sort. Some historians believe he had the legs cut off the altar and had it lowered so he could lay the entrails of sacrificed animals on it to examine them. And I'm like, But it was a form of divination, as was done by the king of Babylon, in a search of good or bad omens. He did this, possibly, rather than just trusting in God's word. But his son Hezekiah cleansed the temple and trusted God. His authority was as king, and it was given by God. The temple went through phases like this as faith in God waxed and waned among the people and their leaders. In John's gospel from our New Testament lesson, we see another cleansing of the temple. It is a temple that seems on the rebound, a very busy place during the Feast of Passover with sacrifices being made and people coming from the surrounding areas and construction still taking place, as they point out, after 46 years. The beautiful temple of their God 
a place of worship where psalms could be heard and sacrifices made, but what Jesus finds is quite literally different. He finds a hot mess. The April heat mixed with all the animals and their obvious byproducts, all of this in the temple. It's in the outer court, the court of the Gentiles. It's supposed to be still a place of worship, a place where anyone can come and offer their sacrifice to God and their praise. It's a place where the Jews came to be in the presence of God, just beyond the veil of the Holy of Holies, just outside the, the women's court. All of this took place there. It is Jesus' first public display of his authority. This is in John's Gospel. You'll find this account later in other Gospels, and there's some argument as to whether or not there was one cleansing recorded in various places. There were probably multiples. It's quite possible. And this is considered the first cleansing. While, while the wine in Cana was sort of a stealth miracle behind the scenes, this is a bold and in-your-face type of cleansing and miracle. With a scourge or whip made of ropes that might have been used to lead the cattle around, he goes in and he is appalled by the scene in his father's house. And he drives it all out. And no resistance is recorded. No one tries to subdue his actions by calling the temple my father's house, he has stated his authority as the son of God. However, this was not the 12-year-old boy that submitted to the authority of his parents in the end of the second chapter of Luke. Remember, his parents came to look for him after the Passover many years ago when they could not find him as they traveled home. And going back to the temple, they found him there. And his response was, why were you looking for me? Did you, not, did, not, did you not know I must be in my father's house? In that moment, he left and was submissive to his parents and their authority that they had been given to them by God. But this time is different. His time has come, and he is doing the work of God the Father. The message of John throughout his book is he and the Father are one. And the authority he has is the authority of God himself. The response, as those in the market were driven out, was likely similar to that when, Jesus, when they came to arrest Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. There, when Jesus asked who those seeking him, when Jesus asked those seeking him who they were looking for, they replied, Jesus of Nazareth. And he answered, I am he. And with that word, they recoiled and fell to the ground. They were in the very presence of God. There must have been some similar show of his heavenly authority as he drove them all out of the temple, men and animals alike. He spoke and they left. There was no bargaining. Then come the Jews. The term Jews is used not to lump all Jews into a group of unbelievers. It is often used to denote those Jews that don't believe. And the question, their question, with no intent of hearing a just answer, was what sign do you show us for doing these things? In essence, prove your authority. 
Had they watched and heard the word spoken, they would have needed no sign. It was there as Jesus identified himself as being in his Father's house. And the swift movement of those that retreated gave evidence as well. His disciples saw it and recalled Scripture. Zeal for your house will consume me. This zeal, Luther says, was an angry love or a jealous love. It does not spring from anger, but from a true love for God. It revealed his love for God and for God's people. Hezekiah was one of God's people, a king, and he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, according to all that David his father had done. He cleansed and restored the temple too. But he also sinned and became proud. His pride led him to show envoys sent by the king of Babylon that brought him gifts, all the wealth, gold, silver, and everything in the storehouses that he had. They had brought him gifts, possibly hearing of his illness, but God had added 15 years to his life and promised to protect Hezekiah and his people from the king of Assyria. Part of a Babylonian envoy's task was to seek allies in a war against the Assyrians. In his pride, Hezekiah showed his wealth and strength and his willingness to trust in an alliance with foreign powers versus trusting in God alone. He began to trust in his own authority. Even as he was told the destruction that would befall Jerusalem after his death and under the reign of his son as a result of his pride, his vanity still led him to reply to Isaiah, The word of the Lord that you have spoken is good. For he thought, Why not? If there will be peace and security in my days. Yet he had been given authority to cleanse the temple in his time. So here we are in a temple, a church, in God's house, where God comes to us and we receive his gifts. Our temple, this building, is cleaned by a man, Irvin, our janitor. And he does a bang-up job, and I'm sure you will agree. But this is not, however, the real temple that needs cleansed. The temple that needs cleansed is the temple of our bodies. 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? Paul is speaking to the issue of sexual sins, which unlike other sins, are sins against our own bodies. Bodies where the Holy Spirit dwells. Fleshly bodies that are tempted in every way as long as, our, as we slog our way through this world. Like Hezekiah, we may do wonderful things in praise of God and to His glory and then fall prey to sins like pride in what we begin to imagine as our own doing versus them being gifts from God that they actually are. We may engage in unkind acts against others versus showing the love of Christ to our neighbor. We may slander and speak poorly of others or spread rumors versus somehow finding a kind word or simply just shutting our mouths. If we can for a moment be perfectly honest in our flesh, we act like Ahaz and Hezekiah a great deal of the time. But we try to put it off to cleanse ourselves of the bad behavior, the idolatry, the lust, the disobedience 
but we do not have the authority to do the job. Only Christ has the authority to drive out our sinful passions, and only Christ has the authority to take our punishment. The real cleansing of the temple was in His death and resurrection, the destroying of the temple of His body and His raising it up again. He cleanses us and gives us that resurrection in our baptism, and He sustains us in our faith through the hearing of His Word and the eating and drinking of His testimony that is His supper. He sustains our faith in a cleansing He provides for us and not one we can perform on ourselves no matter how hard we try to improve our lives and attitudes or change our behavior and actions. He cleanses us and places, us, places on us white robes of righteousness so that we are children of God, saints arrayed in white. We may often not look like, saints of, like the saints God has made us to be through faith in Christ, but that is only for a short while as we suffer in this flesh corrupted by sin. But Jesus, in whom all authority in heaven and earth has been given, has promised us that he, that he is with us. He will return, raise our bodies, and gather all believers together to spend eternity in heaven with Him. On this All Saints Sunday, as we recognize the saints that have gone before us, let us give thanks, honor, and glory to Christ Jesus, by, whom, by whose authority our salvation has been won. Amen. Now may this peace which passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus until life everlasting. Amen.